0: That's happymammoth.com and use the code BLESSED for 15% off today. This episode is brought to you by Delta Airlines. I recently flew Delta, I want to say about a week ago now, and I was coming back home from being in Atlanta for a speaking engagement, and Delta just gave me such a wonderful experience. And it really was the icing on the cake of just such an amazing weekend that I had. Delta Airlines believes that you should feel at home, even if you're 30,000 feet above it. Learn more at Delta.com. This episode of the Blessed and Bossed Up podcast is brought to you by the Blessed and Bossed Up Society. If you've ever felt alone in your journey and wanted to be around women who get it, women who love God and are about their business, Blessed and Bossed Up Society is for you. This membership community gives you a ton of resources from myself, as well as outside experts to help you grow in your faith and your business. To learn more, visit www.blessedandbossedup.com community. Again, that's com slash community. Let's start the show. You are listening to Blessed and Bossed Up, presented by Anchored Media. An entrepreneurship podcast for Christians all about how to make God the CEO of your business. Get ready to be inspired, challenged, but well-equipped to live and build your destiny his way. Today's podcast, I get to interview the amazing Marlene Francois Madden. Marlene is the owner of Heart's Empowerment Counseling Center, Huffington Post contributor, phenomenal public speaker, and entrepreneur. With over 13 years of clinical experience, she has become a sought-after expert in mental health, trauma, self-care, and girls' leadership. Marlene has shared her expertise at dozens of universities, colleges, community organizations, churches, and conferences, including the Congressional Black Caucus for Women and Girls. Her organization, Far More Precious, has awarded $2,500 in scholarships to minority girls since 2013 and continues to educate young women ages 14 to 19 to dream beyond their barriers they face and reach their fullest potential. She was named by the White House as a nominated change maker at the State of the Women's Summit during the Obama administration. Her work has been featured on Huffington Post, Hot 97, Fox 5, Bustle, psych central and various media platforms empowerment isn't just what she does it's who she is driven by passion and purpose marlene touches the lives of many through her work she facilitated trauma-informed groups and individual sessions for young women in haiti who were sex trafficking survivors her commitment to youth development earned her an invite to speak to young global leaders from countries such as pakistan nigeria kenya Israel, Bangladesh, and more about self-care. She also volunteered at a children's orphanage in Ghana. Conscious of living what she teaches, Marlene believed that everyone can live a life of service and be intentional about self-care. The two are not mutually exclusive. She continues to be a pillar of leadership as a coach for mental health professionals who seek to expand their expertise, brand themselves, and diversify their income. Marlene has a bachelor's degree in psychology from Pennsylvania State University and a master's of social work degree from Rutgers University Newark. She is the chair of the National Association of Social Worker Legislation and National Action Committee. She is currently licensed as a licensed clinical social worker in the state of New Jersey. Now let's get to this interview. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Blessed and Bossed Up podcast. I am so excited about this episode because I get to interview somebody who I've been following on Instagram for a long time and on Facebook. And y'all know those people that you have that you feel like you know in person, but you've never really met in person yet. Like that's how I feel about Marlene. If you would have asked me anything about her, I'm going to sing her praises because I'm just such a huge fan of everything that she is doing. And I think she's just such an amazing therapist and such an amazing person, the way she pours back into other social workers and helping um, aspiring therapists start their businesses. But I already read your bio, so everybody knows how amazing you are. Uh, So let's just hop right into it. Thank you so much for being on the show, first of all. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, of course. So let's just start from the very beginning. How did you get into entrepreneurship? That's such a tricky (laughs) and long question. So (laughs) for
1: me, I would say growing up, one thing I recognized with myself is I like to work independently. I'm great doing teamwork projects and helping other people. But I realized because because I was such a creative and I had all these ideas, I knew that working somewhere, I would be boxed in and I wouldn't be able to flourish in a way that I wanted to flourish when it came to mental health. So, so my brother actually we're a year apart and he's pretty much been the entrepreneur and the family. He's a, a web developer, fine, fine arts animation type person. And every time he got a job, he always would quit or bargain with them to work from home. And I'm like, how does he do this? Like, and so seeing how he always <laughs> was able to do it and manage schedule, make money and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, so being an entrepreneur is not something I should be terrified of. So um, getting into it, I gradually got into entrepreneurship. Um, I took my time. I took my time. I made sure that I worked in the trenches because um, so often we live in like a microwave society where people just want to jump on something rapidly without, you know, doing the legwork or the inner work. So for me, I wanted to make sure that I took my time and that I was well prepared before I jumped into entrepreneurship so I can have a consistent flow similar to what my nine of flow was like.
0: So when you say take your time, what do you mean? What are some things that you did?
1: So some of the things that I did, because um, as a therapist, you have certain regulations and guidelines you have to follow. So after I graduated graduate school, pursuing my licensure and making sure that once I was independently licensed as a licensed clinical social worker, that I didn't just jump right into private practice because so often, you know, generally what, what some people do is as soon as they get their license, they jump right into private practice because you want to see clients and you're passionate about the work you do. But aside from being passionate about the work you do, there's also learning how to run a business. So for me, right. being able to do the inner work required me understanding what personal development looked like, Uh, building my character as a woman of God, um, understanding what leadership looked like, reading books by John C. Maxwell, um, listening to all the private practice gurus that are out there too. But I also made sure that I worked under someone that had a successful practice. So I worked under them for about a year and a half and got to learn everything that I needed to learn in that moment and then it got to a point where I knew that I had this nudge and touch on my heart where God was like, you have to leave. And and for me, mm-hmm. I, I like to operate with integrity. And I had signed a two year contract with the um, practice that I was working at. And I'm like, I can't just get up and mm-hmm. leave. And you know, I, I was comfortable there. I heard how other people were running their practices and some of the struggles they were going through. And I'm like, nah, I can't leave. I can't do this. How's this gonna work? Even though I had already started building my own brand outside from a practice with working with teen girls, speaking engagement, having a product that I offered for mental health professionals. I'm like, okay, I know I have it in me, but something was holding me back in that moment, that fear. But then it was just mm-hmm. interesting how like, I remember it was last year around this time. Wow. Crazy. <laughs> crazy. Cause last year around this time, I would say <laughs> around October, October, November, I went to LA um, with my parents, where my my younger brother was graduating massage school, so I went with my parents out there, and I watched this sermon by Sarah Jakes Roberts um, on TV. Mind you, I was out in LA. Mm-hmm. I could have went to the church, but I decided to be in the house because they. My, yeah, I was like, oh, I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to LA. I'm gonna go to this church while I'm out here. But then that night, like we were, my brother had us going to the museum. We went out to this Indian restaurant, and I'm like, I'm not gonna go. And they went out to go do other stuff. So I stayed in. That, I stayed in my brother's place. I watched this service and I bawled my eyes out. I'm like, okay, this is confirmation. I was getting confirmation after confirmation after confirmation that it was time for me to step out on faith and leave and just trust in God. But something was trying to hold me back and he kept Mm -hmm. reassuring me and showing me things. and, And one of the ways he was showing me things too was the fact that the type of clients I wanted to work with wasn't at where I was working at. I was great doing work there but the type of clientele and my targeted market that I want to work with was not at the practice that I was working at. So I was getting all these calls coming in. I want to work with you. I want to see you. But when I told them what the rate was where I was working at, it was way too high. So I'm like, okay, I'm missing out on all these people that I could be helping and mm-hmm. servicing people that are trying to find therapists who look like them, find, trying to find a millennial therapist and they can't find anybody. And here I am. I'm being disobedient by saying here. And it was crazy how the minute I stepped out and I told the woman, I'm like, listen, you know, I'm going to have to transition out. I don't think this is, you know, it. And it was such a smooth and peaceful process. Mm -hmm. Like I got support from her to, you know, break my contract. And she was like, yeah, I see it in you. You know, you, you have this entrepreneurial spirit in you. I'm all here to support you with it. So it was just such a smooth process at that point. And then I just watched how, the floodgates opened, and opportunities were coming in little by little. And I'm like, okay, I'm in the right place. I'm doing the right work that I'm supposed to be doing right now.
0: So as you were in that sort of vulnerable time where you were like, okay, God, I hear you. I'm about to jump head first and do this. Did that self doubt or whatever it was that was holding you back? Did that continue as you were building the practice or did it go away? Yeah, it definitely did. Because even
1: as I was in that place, as I was in that place, with getting ready to launch, I knew for me in that season, around the fall of 2017, I knew for me, it was all about planting. It was all about sowing and reaping. For me, it was like har- It's harvest season, harvest season is coming soon, is what I kept hearing. And I kept hearing I had to be obedient. So one of the things that I did was I made sure that I was very discerning with who I can share the vision with. Um, I didn't want any noise coming from different people in different direction. I didn't want to hear people saying, oh, what do you mean you're leaving or quitting that? Why are you going to do that? Because you hear a lot of that when people are you know, going into entrepreneurship or starting your own of anything. There are doubts that come in, you know some people they, they, they're, they they're maybe a realist and they're they're asking you questions, which is great. then you have other people that may just doubt your ability. So for me, I was very particular with the type of people I had around me that was sewing into me in that season. Um, I was very particular with what I what kind of material I wanted to listen to um, in that moment. So I made sure to properly plan. Like I planned for a few months before I even launched. So I would say my planning even started from all the way from July up until the time when I launched in February. So I didn't just get up and just launch. I didn't just get up and just create a website and say, Hey guys, I'm here. I did a lot of the legwork for many months. And during that time, there were some doubts that popped up, but I had like certain scriptures that I would focus on. I always went back to my why and why was I doing this and just knowing that, okay, even if I fail, what if I, what if I fail? It's okay. Because at least I know I tried. So, um, even when the doubts came in, I found ways to uh, attack those doubts because even as therapists, we have to do that for our clients. When you have clients come in and they're dealing with anxiety and they're talking about the negative doubts that they're having. And then it's like, okay, how can I help you to restructure what's happening? and your mind with your thoughts to think of something positive. So I made sure that I wrote down all my fears and then wrote down an affirmation list and then wrote down like an affirmation um, summary, as I like to call it. So it was like what my ideal workday looked like, what type of client I was helping, and what would the outcome look like for that client? And what would it do for me, for my emotional well-being, for my legacy, for my family? When I did that, it changed the entire perspective as far as with the little doubt that I had that I'm like, but what? that's never going to happen. Like, come on, (laughs) get to work.
0: No, that's, that's so awesome. And and I love it because it's so practical. And that's something that everybody who's listening right now can do. Like if you're struggling in certain areas, write down those fears, write down affirmations to attack those fears, throw some scriptures in there, do whatever you got to do. But I love that you said that. But then you also said that you were protective. And I think of like new businesses as babies, right? So you were very protective Mm of this baby and you were discerning of who you shared it with. Did you rely on your gift of discernment to to know who and who not to share it with or did you like how did you go about gauging that for those new people who are starting businesses and kind of struggling with figuring out who can I share this with and who can't I definitely relied
1: on discernment um heavily that's one of my spiritual gifts that I was aware of at a very young age I would say even from the time I was like 5 or 6 I was well aware that was a gift that I had but it wasn't fully activated until I fully accepted the Holy Spirit, if that makes any sense. But um, I knew for me that God was going to give me peace when I was in someone's presence, if he was going to allow me to mention it to them. So there were moments where I would find myself talking to someone that was completely random, but had but felt like this was me being obedient to God. Or like he would have somebody contact me randomly and pour into me and say, hey, I just had a dream about you that XYZ is about to happen in your life. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So I can go ahead and reveal because they are already reaffirming what God has confirmed in me for for me to do. So there were multiple people that he sent my way that said, Hey, I had this dream about you or I saw like, because I was also a, a newlywed, I was recently married. So of course, when you were recently married, people were constantly talking about pregnancy, right? So I would have friends of mine or people contacting me saying, I had a dream you were pregnant, but it does not mean pregnant with a baby. It was pregnant with something bigger than you. I can't explain what it is, but I woke up from the dream and I had to pray for you. And then in that moment, I knew, okay, I can reveal to this person because God is sending them my way to pray for me on a deeper level. So he revealed to me, and sometimes the scary part about it, the people who were once your go-to people may not be your go-to people in that season for what he has implanted in you. And I think that's the tough part that a lot of people struggle with because, you know, naturally if you're a nurturer, you're, you know, compassionate and you love on people, you want to share things with those that are around you constantly. There are certain things that may not be for them to know about in that moment while you're in that first or second trimester of planning. So, that announcement that everybody likes to make, maybe everybody's not supposed to know about the announcement in that moment because if they know about it, then it just might not be great for that seed that's trying to grow. So, I had to learn that and just have discernment and just be okay with knowing that, okay, this is not for everybody that's around me to know, like, hey, guess what? This is what I'm about to do. Like, I had to be okay with that.
0: Yeah, that is so good. And, and the the gem that I really pull from it is how God was sending people to you, because a lot of folks, when they start businesses, they get so excited or whatever, they feel the need. And that's with anything, really, once you get excited about something, you tell everybody about it. And so they're so excited because they have this business idea and they go share it with all of these people. And then it goes into now you don't pump yourself up thinking, now that you're pump yourself up telling everybody what you're about to do, you never even actually do it, but you're getting all of these kudos for your thoughts. But um, a lot of people, they go out and just tell everybody and then you end up telling the people that's not even supposed to hear or supposed to even know about what it is that you're carrying. And so I love how you said that. God was sending people to you because that's something I want people to really internalize that God knows what he put on the inside of you and he's not going to give vision where he where he isn't going to give provision like he's going to send people to you to to pour into what he's put on the inside of you but if we go out and we're so noisy this is why a lot of people can't even hear from God because we're doing We're not still enough to where if we're too noisy, then people will start to to infect our vision or the enemy will send people our way to plant more doubt into our head, to plant um, negative ideas into our head, to where we start working on things that we're not even supposed to do. So it's just so good that you said that it made me think about um, even for me right now, where God is pushing me into ministry and I finally stopped running from it (laughs) and was like, fine whatever you want. Um, so God is pushing me into this and I, nobody knew except for my fiance and like my pastor. And only reason my pastor knew is because he's been pouring into me. I had never said anything. So I had just started telling my family and I only told my mom and my aunt and, um, I'm, my family will tell you, they're like, we don't know nothing that happens with you. if, If we don't get on social media, I don't tell them nothing just because I'm protective like that. And I don't want any put their limitations on me. So, um, but I'm trying to break out of that a little bit. So I told my aunt, she received it well. And I told my mom, so my mom did exactly what I knew she was going to do, but I was strong enough to where it wouldn't affect me. So she was so excited about it. And the thing about my mother is she has a lot of, a lot of the gifts that I have, she has, and a lot of the things that God is doing through me, he wanted to do through her. And it's so awesome because it's all going to come back full circle. But because our callings are very similar, she gets excited. So I told her about the the where God is pushing me in ministry. And she was just like, oh my God, yes, because you could do this. And then you can do that. And it's innocent. You know, she wasn't downplaying, but she was just so excited. And she done planned this whole ministry over the course of a five-minute conversation. She done got the whole thing planned out. And so I was like, Ma, I'm not doing none of that. When I'm telling you what God is leading me to do so that one, you can pray for me and two, when it comes around, you're not surprised because I know that's a issue that y'all have. But when I tell you that I'm gonna do what God tells me to do, like that's that. I'm not gonna create this whole plan like you just created and then be like God bless it. No, I'm going to go to him first. He told me, he pushed me to ministry. Cool. When it's time to do something else with that, I'll do it, but I'm not in a rush. But I think, um, for anybody that's listening, it's important not to be in a rush. And thankfully I'm, you know, grounded enough to where all of that stuff that she was saying, I just laughed at, like, it didn't make me have the urge to go plan this whole detailed ministry when I don't have the directions for that yet. But a lot of people don't have that confidence yet and what and what it is that they're birthing and a lot of times you don't in the very beginning so again for you guys that's listening just move slowly move cautiously and give your baby time to develop you know a a baby in real nine months before you're able to birth it out and we got to really stop rushing it um but Marlene I did want to ask you after you got through this this process and people are pouring things into you and you're getting this practice done, how did you go about securing that very first client? So the crazy thing is that because I was already working at a group
1: practice, the group practice, I was in a contract. So um, I had to abide by the contract. Um, Every practice does things differently. So um, that was one of my concerns because I already had clients there. How would that work? So, um, of course I had to terminate with all my clients and some practices will say, you can't take your, your clients with you. Some of them are okay with it. It just depends on how the contract is written. Um, but most of my clients were in good spaces to kind of terminate and just be done with services. And I did have two that come, that came with me, but one of the things that I did, I was very strategic with my business basics. When I say business basics, I mean my business planning, my marketing strategies, marketing analysis, the whole nine. So around the time I was launching my practice, I had a lot of podcast interviews, radio interviews, and other options that came up, TV. I had a lot of opportunities that were coming up around that time. And I had already secured my office space for at least two months prior to officially going live. Reason why? Because I wanted to furnish it, wanted to make sure it looked right and everything was perfect before I completed my everything, my services at the group practice before I went live at my practice February 1st. So one of the things I did was when I started getting new calls coming in, I started penciling people in for like first, second week, third week of February. I was penciling people in. So I started already building clientele. The minute I opened my door, I was getting calls nonstop. And as I'm getting calls, one of the things that I found was that people were saying like, I've been calling therapists, but nobody's calling me back. No one's returning my voicemail. they're not responding mm-hmm. to my emails and For me, that was important for me and because I love the whole branding and marketing aspect, which is something mental health professionals struggle with because you don't learn that in your graduate programs. So I made sure that I made sure that my website was speaking to my DiMar clientele that I had a few blog posts available that I was getting podcast interviews here and there on specific topics related to millennials and teens. So that way people like, oh, she got to practice. We got to refer people her way. So I think all of those things that all, Mm -hmm. it just came full circle. It just all happened at the same time where I was able to build a good load of clientele to the point where I replaced my income from what I was making at the group practice within the first week. What I was making over there, what I was making over there every two weeks, I replaced it in one week. And I knew in that moment that this is the, this is the benefits of being obedient. It was, it just happened so naturally to the point where I was like, okay, I'm in the right space. This feels good. Like it just felt so good to help my community in the way that I wanted to help them without any restrictions. And to know that I'm operating in a way that God wanted me to operate.
0: That's awesome. So you said how you were very strategic and you did the podcast interviews and your marketing plan and things like that. Were those skills that you already had or did you have to learn those things before you launched too? So these were skills
1: that I actually started learning right as I was graduating from um, my graduate program. So around that time when I was graduating in 2011 from my master's program, I was diving in a lot of different, not Coaching programs per se, but listening to a lot of um blog posts, webinars, master classes, um, tons of people that are out there. Marshawn Evans, I was been listening to her from, from a, for a while now. So, like mm-hmm. listening to different people and what's out there. So I was listening to a lot of I had a lot of content that I was listening to that was not related to mental health professionals. And mm-hmm. because my brother He was in the industry. He's been an entrepreneur and he has, you know, products, you know, six figure business and a first year of business and all this stuff. There was a lot I was learning from him that he was doing. So he would teach me a few tricks here and there about how to do certain things. So um, it just came so natural for me to know, okay, these are some things that I need to put into place before I go out there. So making sure that I'm doing speaking engagements on mental health and just talking Mm -hmm. about it. So that way people... Um, think of me first. I wanted people to think of me first and my community when it came to mental health. So that way, when they know I open doors, they can send clients that way.
0: That's awesome. And I think that's a really good uh, point for everybody who's listening is you didn't talk about I created my Instagram and my Facebook and I started, no, you said I got podcast interviews. I did speaking engagements. I put myself in the environment where people could bring me business. And I think that's an important tip for anybody that's listening as you're building your business. That's how you get people to you in the beginning. It's not about just the social, like we hear all the time. Social media is a great leveraging tool, but in the beginning, you got to go out there where the people are. That way you can bring them over in droves as opposed to reaching that one or two person as you're slowly building your online presence and things like that. So I love that you did all of those things and I hope you guys listening are taking notes. Um, so you did a lot of things very well um, and everything went very well very quickly. Were there any mistakes that you noticed you made along the way? Yes, um, so as
1: far as mistakes, not recognizing that, okay, I need to manage my schedule better. So starting when I started my, my own practice, I was still doing some contract work at the medical school. Um, they had like this public health research Institute that I was working at part-time. And so understanding that, okay, not only am I seeing clients, I have to make sure that I'm managing my business. So managing my business, what does that look like? Understanding my numbers, what are my profit and loss statements, um, getting back to insurance company, because at the time, for the first two months or so, I wasn't accepting insurance as I was waiting to, to get approved by the insurance company. So once that happened, that mm-hmm. added an extra layer of work because seeing cash pay clients, generally after they're done seeing you, you swipe their credit card or they're in your system that swipes it automatically, boom, you're done. But when you're taking a client that has insurance, you have to verify, okay, what is their copay amount? Um, do they have to meet a deductible? How do I submit this claim to the insurance company or it gets denied and now you're calling the insurance company and you're on the phone with them for 45 minutes to an hour trying to speak to someone to figure out what happened to the insurance claim. When are you going to get paid for it? So that aspect is where I had to learn, Okay, I need to make sure I have an admin day because if I don't have an admin day. I'm going to lose out on my money. <laughs> I'm going to lose out on things. So being right. able to get creative with that um and one of the other struggles early on was balancing home versus business. As much as I was big on self-care, mm-hmm. I think one of the struggles was the fact that you know I you know I've been I'm now I'm currently married for a, a year and some change now but understanding that dynamic with like okay, I get home from work from seeing clients, you know, maybe six, seven o'clock at night, then I'm still doing my notes. I'm still doing work. Okay, who's cooking dinner? What time am I setting aside for my husband? How do I make sure that I put the phone down and be intentional in this moment? Um, Because it just felt like, okay, well, business has to operate 24 seven. Like I gotta, I gotta keep working. I gotta keep working. And next thing you know, you're up till two, three o'clock in the morning, and he needs to go to sleep. You know, so. Learning how to balance that aspect. Like, okay, how do I balance home and business? How do I make sure that I'm putting home first and not business first? Because biblically, that's what I'm supposed to do. But when you got to put that into practical, it's very hard. Um, but the crazy thing is now both me and my husband are both entrepreneurs. So <laughs> I think he's now, yeah, if that's another story. <laughs> that's a crazy one. So like now this learning, learning how he's also recognizing, okay, he's better at balancing things, but he's like, okay, I see him come home now and he's working a little harder too. I'm like, okay, you working now so I can work too now. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So like, just being intentional in that area where I'm making sure that I'm making time for other things. So I, I'm not neglecting other parts. So neglecting, not neglecting other things. So like little things like doing laundry, cleaning, you know, basic things. Mm-hmm. Because so often people always like, oh, I, you know, let's not neglect our self-care. But what about your family? What about your friends? When was the last time you called someone to say, how are you doing? So just being intentional with things
0: like that. So what system did you put in place? I know you talked about like the admin day for the business, Mm -hmm. but with the balance and everything, did you say, okay, this day is date night or on Saturday mornings, let me just call my family see, make sure everybody good. Like what did you put in place? So my generally on Mondays, I don't have clients.
1: Same with Fridays. If Fridays, I may have one client, but I barely have clients. So my Mondays are always like admin days. And on the weekends, I don't do work. So well, on Sundays, every other Sunday, I do see clients, but it's like right after church. So, and my church is right down the street from my therapy practice. So it works perfect for me. Um, mm-hmm. So some of the things that I do is that on the weekend, we make sure that we have time, you know, family time. So when I say, so date night, um, you know, my parents live in another state. So making sure I have time for them too. We're calling each other up. You know, they're coming down this weekend to visit me. Um, So making sure I'm making time. I make time for my girlfriends. We hang out. Um, I have, you know, I have some friends where they have flexibility in their schedule. And one of the things I used to do was on Friday, every Friday, I would go to brunch with one of my girlfriends. That way, at least I'm meeting up and Mm -hmm. saying, how are you? How are things going? How can I support you? How can you support me? What do you need prayer for? So just being intentional with that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I make sure ch- church is involved. Um, we're me and my husband are both involved in the same ministry together with our team ministry. So we do that twice a month at church. So making sure we're plugged in where we're giving back. Um, so I try my best to stick to a schedule as much. Um, it, it's hard some days. It's really hard, especially when you're um working as a therapist. And sometimes you may have a crisis that pop up with a client or emergencies that happen. But I try to make sure that I'm putting time for things that I enjoy outside of my business.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's so important that you said that because I believe a lot of people, especially successful entrepreneurs, especially women, women, um, I believe more than anything. It's like we are so driven, especially Black women. We're so driven. And a lot of times we put the work first. Like, or the achievement first, whether it's in business or it's in your career or whatever. I had listened to a podcast and this wasn't a business or faith based podcast, but one of my little ratchet podcasts I like to listen to. And, um, it was a woman on there and she was saying that she had been married before, but her marriage didn't work because she was never taught that she needed to prioritize her husband. She was all focused on the achievement and getting ahead that She was like, what? Spend time with you. I got to go do this. So I'm an independent woman. And for me, before I got engaged in all of that, that was a fear of mine because everybody that I saw in my life who was married was miserable. Everybody who I saw in my life that was good and successful and had money was single and divorced. So I was like, I don't want to be like, I want to have both. I feel like I can have both. And then as my faith began to grow and learning that order that God is first, um, your husband is second, and then it's you supporting him. And so learning these things and then businesses after that. So learning the order really helped me. I remember even, and I still have to check myself. I remember yesterday, I was praying and I was asking God, um, can you give me the vision for, uh, can you give me our 2019 vision referring to me and BJ? And I was like, I instantly felt convicted and I was like, Oh no, 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 no. That's out of order. God ain't giving you the vision. Like he might tell you bits and pieces of it, but he's the head. Of the, he's the head. You talk about 2019, going to be married then. He's the head of the household. Like God gives him the vision and shows him and you support him and you continue to pray and things like that. But I was out of order for even being like, God, tell me what we're doing. So I had to check myself again. Like Tatum, you thought you got rid of all that independence. It's still there. But um I was glad I was able to check myself. And I think it's so important that you said that, just making sure things are in order because a lot of people don't realize it until you're divorced, until it's too late. Until you have all of these material things and all of this success and nobody to share it with. So, yeah, I'm glad you touched on that. Um, I do want to talk about self-care a little bit. Because you are the resident therapist right now. And um, we hear about self-care and entrepreneurship all the time. Like at this point it's right up there with like women empowerment to me. So. What is self-care?
1: There's so many ways to to answer this question. Um, For me, self-care is just being fully present and intentional in the moment, like where you feel like I'm good. I'm good (laughs) because, you know. People always think the self-care, like, okay, you have, you're going to the spa, you're spending time with yourself and all these things. Um, And then I think now too, it's getting a little tricky with the millennial cultures. And you spoke about this recently in a podcast with crystals and saging and everything under the sun. Um, So it gets very tricky because you're seeing a lot of that that's happening more where people, um, their self-care techniques. Um, may look different than what you may think of. So for me, when I think of self-care, I think of it covering different aspects of your life. So you think of like your physical self-care where people are working out, they're eating healthy, you're drinking tons of water, you're getting your eight hours of sleep. I think of financial self-care where, okay, how are your finances? You may be an entrepreneur and you're going to the spa every week because you 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 said you need that for self-care, but How is your business doing? Your finances? Are you paying your bills on time? Are you tithing? Are you giving back? Are you saving for your legacy? How is that happening? Because if not, that's going to increase more stress for you if you're not taking care of your financial self-care. Then I think of your emotional self-care. So are you being vulnerable with people around you? When people ask you, how are you doing? Are you just telling them how your business is doing? What about you emotionally? Are you letting people know OK, today I'm having a rough day and here's why. I feel sad because I'm still grieving over something that happened two years ago. So being able to say words like that, being able to check yourself to see how you're doing, being fully aware, you know, um, looking at your emotional intelligence. So when I think of self-care, to me, self-care doesn't to me, it's not it's not this experience that, um people feel like they have to do every now and then, like the woman empowerment and all these brunches they go to. For me, I look at self-care as a daily thing that you have to do. It's supposed to be a daily routine incorporating your life to the point where it doesn't even feel like you're, you're, you're doing this thing that's elaborate. Kind of like how most people, you get up every day, you take a shower, you brush your teeth, you wash your face. It's just a normal thing now, right? You put clothes on before you go outside, right? That's a normal thing you do. So, I want people to look at self care in that way too, where it's just a habit, a daily habit that you follow. And what works for me may not work for the next person. Um, But being very intentional and covering different aspects, even spiritual self care, that's a big thing. So, um, understanding what's going to work for you and listing those things down and telling yourself that you are not perfect and having grace with yourself. Because um, if people are perfectionists, they struggle they always, they may feel anxious, like, oh, like this is not perfect. It's not getting right. And then it's time to go to bed and and they can't go to sleep because they're thinking about things in their business that's not going right. You know, they forgot to mail out orders. They forgot to send out an invoice. They forgot to check their email, all these things that are creating anxiety within them. So knowing, okay, what do I need to do in this moment? Do I need to ask for help? Do I need to delegate projects? Do I need to say no to people? Do I need to create boundaries? And um, something else, which I recently told a client to do, was the fact that when people look at their calendar and schedule, they always put in all these things they have to get done. Right, all your events, business meetings, you got this going on, coaching this person. Everybody puts all that, and then whenever there's an empty spot, they fill it in. When someone calls them and say, "Hey, girl, you want to hang out?", they fill it in without recognizing. Do I need this moment and this calendar that I have here as a break- a break point? For me to just check in with myself, you know. So maybe you just left the business luncheon in the morning and then your friend hits you up to hang out and do something, but depending on that friend, maybe you know if you hang out with that friend, they're gonna just tell you about what's going on with their situationship that they're in, and that's just gonna create more stress for you. Then tell yourself, okay, do I really need to spend the next two hours with this person that's not going to fuel me but pull from me? Do I need to schedule them on another day where I'm already full? And I can meet with them so I can pour into them and be fully present and engaged. So being able to look at how are you scheduling your day, being intentional with putting slots somewhere in between so you can be more effective with other people that are around you.
0: Yeah, that's really good. I think a lot of people struggle, too, with just... I guess finding the confidence to say no and to draw those boundaries. I've never had that problem. I've always been very outspoken, like I'm not doing it and sticking with it. But uh, a lot of people aren't that way. So how can the people who do struggle with saying no, who do love to give, sometimes at the expense of their own needs, how can they learn to say no more often? um, I usually tell them, because what happens
1: is there's a sense of urgency and they want, sometimes people who struggle with saying no are, can be people pleasers. So they may struggle because they want people to see them in a certain way and they want to help everyone. They feel bad this, because of the shame and guilt that overwhelms them. So I tell them when people say like, Hey, can you do something? Hey, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. Just say, I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you. Even though they may, they may go back and say yes, because they're still struggling with the no, but I'll get back to you allows them to kind of sit in that emotion that they feel and maybe even process it. So they don't make a decision based off of an emotional response that they have. So maybe in that moment, the person reaches out to them and says like, Hey, I need you to speak at this place for me. And maybe they know that day just was not going to work for their schedule, but they feel like saying yes, because they're scared of saying no. So in that moment, just saying, I'll get back to you. So they can go back home and kind of sit down and say, well, why am I saying yes? Like, what are some of my reasons for saying yes? And if I say yes, what will it, what will it do to me emotionally? What will it do for my schedule? And what, would I, what can I do if I said no instead? So allow them to actually write it down so they can see what will it look like if I say yes and what will it look like if I say no. If I say no, what can I do for myself in that moment? What will I feel like emotionally afterwards? So having them see what their feelings will feel like, if they'll feel anxious or more at peace or joyous, and it allows them to kind of say like, wow, if I say no, I will feel better. But why am I? And then afterwards, they're going to have to process and process and dig deeper to figure out why am I saying yes? Where does this come back to? Does it come back to any childhood traumas that I'm dealing with where I felt like I wasn't good enough? And I have to constantly keep doing for people and go above and beyond so people can see that I'm this good person. Um, because sometimes it goes back to something that happened in their past where they have not resolved. They haven't, you know, um sat down with someone to kind of talk about.
0: That's good. That's really good. I hope you guys are listening on taking notes, especially the people pleasers, because we gotta start taking care of ourselves. Yes. Um, <laughs> you did mention anxiety too, and I wanted to as from your experience, like what are some ways as entrepreneurs that we can eliminate that anxiety? It's such a huge topic right now. So I'm like, let me ask the therapist. Oh, yeah. So she can let us
1: <laughs> Yeah. So uh, it's big for, ther- uh, for for entrepreneurs because you have a lot on your plate. You know, there's a lot that you're doing in and outside of your business and trying to maintain your schedule, keep your sanity. And for some entrepreneurs, they may feel isolated because they don't have a community of supporters that are also entrepreneurs or that may be in a similar line of work that understands what they're going through. Um, So I always Mm -hmm. tell people it's important for you to have some sort of support group. So have a group of supporters of people that are doing similar work as you that that just understands it and gets it. So for me, I have a business, Mm -hmm. business bestie. And she's also a therapist. So I know I can call her up because we have similar challenges that we may be going through when it comes to the, the type of work we do with clients and you know trying to figure out this whole entrepreneurship stuff and um because sometimes your family and friends may not get it. They may just like, oh well, you chose that, so I can't help you with it. Um, or maybe you're mm-hmm. the strong one out of your entire crew. So people are constantly coming to you as you're trying to navigate your work life. So um I think that's where you have to be intentional and set boundaries. So set, setting boundaries with your schedule is one thing you have to do and sticking to it where you pencil in some time for yourself. Um, something else I tell people to do for, to kind of eliminate some of the anxiety is some sleep hygiene. So sleep hygiene, it pretty much is like your, daily, your nightly routine before you go to bed. When people think of hygiene, they always think of personal hygiene. So personal hygiene is what you mm-hmm. taking a shower, washing your hair, brushing your teeth, flossing, you know, makeup, looking right, smelling good, feeling good. Right. So we're going to take that same practice, mm-hmm. but switch it up a little. And it's going to cause sleep hygiene. So your sleep hygiene, it's your nightly routine before you go to bed. So I always tell people, take a shower gel that you shower with or um, that smells different than what you use in the morning. So maybe something like lavender, eucalyptus, um, vanilla, some type of sleepy time scent. So that where your body knows, okay, this is a calming scent. This is something I need to use at night so I can go to bed. And in the morning, you can use another brand, something that's more vibrant and alert. Um, using candles in your house, using essential oil. Um, there's sleep mist pillow, sleep mist that you can spray on your pillow. I like to use eucalyptus like brands at nighttime every single night it's part of my routine. There are certain apps you can use too on your phone that has like meditation sounds or it has sounds like rainforest mm-hmm. and summer rain and seagulls and thunderstorm and you can play those apps for like 20 minutes and then as it gets closer to 20 minutes, the sound goes lower and lower and lower so it just doesn't cut off right away. It's a gradual process, so at least you know you're, you don't wake up like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. what was that? Something else for people to do: cut down electronics at least half an hour before you go to bed, and then put your phone on the other side of the room. But make sure you have your nighttime light feature on if it's an iPhone, and lower your brightness all the way down. So that way, when your group chats are going off at one o'clock in the morning, because your friends are still up, your your like, that light is not popping up in your room where <laughs> you're like getting up right away. You know, putting your your phone on silent or Um, putting text alerts and email alerts on silence. So in the middle of the night, you're not waking up. And also too, like before you go to bed, prayer, you know, prayer, worship, um, you know, writing down the things that you didn't get done and saying, I'm going to put that on tomorrow's worry list. We're not going to worry about that tonight. God, you got this. You're going to handle this for me. Uh, Because what happens is that people are up all night because they're still working on things. They have deadlines to meet for their businesses. And then they're not being intentional with taking care of their body. So even with deep breathing, I find that women struggle with this. They're not breathing in this way. Like they're not being intentional with checking in with their body to take deep breaths in, like inhale and exhale and just sit still for five minutes. (laughs) It's a struggle. Nobody wants to sit still. So learning to sit still and just be calm just for five minutes and just clear your thoughts in that moment. So. Those are some habits that I would tell um, people to do to kind of like minimize some of the anxiety that they have.
0: That's good. I was taking notes like what this eucalyptus mist. I'm about to go on Amazon soon as we're done. Order.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, Bath and Body Works has a brand called Stress Relief. The entire line, I have it all from soap to shower gel, to lotion, to oil, to candle, to plug-ins. They have an entire line.
0: <laughs> I'm about to give me some. I started, um, I found myself getting anxious for a while because, and not just from just business, but it was just this new responsibility now with with my faith. So we had the business stuff going on already, but now, you know, really letting God lead my life and learning what that means and moving into ministry, all this stuff that I had no idea I was going to be um transitioning into I was stressed like yeah. this is too much responsibility. I just want to be rich and regular. That was my life plan. <laughs> I'm not trying to be doing all of this. But I started going to um kickboxing, and it is like perfect for stress relief for me because I can just beat this bag up, whatever's going on. I'm beating this bag up, and it just makes me feel so good but um yeah so I would add that too for anybody that's listening some type of physical activity I love kickboxing because I can fight and that's just I used to beat people up in real life and now I just beat this bag up and get the same frustration (laughs) um but I had a question I do want to go into some faith questions but before we get there um you're actually going to be teaching I'm so excited about the blessed and bossed up society you're going to be teaching about Passive income, going from idea to product, and as a therapist, of course, the main bread and butter of your business is service-based. And I love, and with service-based, it's always a cap because you can only see but so many clients, you can mm-hmm. only speak at a certain amount amount of events. So I loved how you started incorporating passive income into your business because now you've kind of broken that. Glass ceiling that a lot of therapists get boxed into. So, what made you start creating these products? And um, I guess, how did you get them done? Yeah. So um, I have, like
1: I said, you know, I grew up, I I grew up around a lot of the arts industry um, in my house. So, like with both of my brothers, with both of my brothers being in the art industry. Um, so having having both of them be in the art industry, having my great grandfather be a music composer, to my dad also being in the arts too, I think all of that tapped in the creativity side of me, of my brain, right? So at a young age, I love looking at things. I love the aesthetic of things and how things look and um, always trying to figure out how can I maximize my opportunities as a mental health professional because not everybody's going to go see a therapist. So for me, um, I've Mm -hmm. always been that person where I like to learn about things, like be resourceful. I love researching. So I was always researching things, always putting out information and content out there. And then, so a lot of mental health professionals were always like looking out to ask me questions and things like that. So um, one of the first thing I started doing was creating a therapist planner, which I created, like God literally dropped this in my head, September, 2016, and worked with a designer and had them launched by December, 2016 for 2017 launched them super late, but it was, um, it was my first time doing it. And then from there, every from 2017, 18, and now we just launched a 2019 therapist planners, um, first one to ever be done this way for therapists. And it's, it's, it's amazing to see how I started something, um, not knowing how it would grow and constantly researching to perfect it, and now it got, I've gotten to a place where I w- was able to create master classes to teach other people how to create and launch their own planners and journals where I'm able to see other, you know, other woman entrepreneurs are out here launching their own ideas and it's helping other people in the community, um, especially for therapists, because one of the things I always say is that, you know, it's when you're in a service-based business and you're in a, in private practice, you're working with clients all day. Like you said, you can only see so much, right? So depending on how much you're charging, Mm -hmm. depending on how much insurance is reimbursing you, if you see so many clients to meet a certain number, you will get burned out depending on the type of clients you're working with and seeing. And for me, I never wanted to be in that space. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that I was intentional and fully present in those moments when I'm engaged with my clients. So I knew for me, there was a maximum number that I'm willing to work with and that I would need to supplement my income in another way so I don't feel burned out. Not only that, for me to know when you have slow months in entrepreneurship. Most entrepreneurships have slow mm-hmm. months depending what type of product you have. If if um you know, so like even for therapists knowing around the holidays it may be a slow month around certain weeks because people are going on vacation, they're away, they're not around. Um, depending on the type of clients you're working with, if you're working with teens, maybe during the summertime you may not see them because the parents are like, "Well, they're not in school, so there's no more drama, and they're not failing, so they're good. They're good for the summer, and they come back in mm-hmm. September, October." So knowing that you may have months where things get slow, and how are you going to supplement that income so you don't get in the place where you have anxiety? So looking at what are you good at and how to maximize those skill sets. So for me, I was able to do that with creating, you know, courses. That will benefit other social workers, you know, using some of the skill sets that I was good at and just put it out there. And it's just been such a huge blessing to see people get, you know, get blessed from it, um, from from just the product, the, the planner down to the courses and seeing, you know, how they grow in that way and how now they're looking at, okay. I need to include some passive income streams into my business. I may need to do more speaking engagements. I may need to look into some press feature. So now it's amazing to see how therapists are starting to try to change the narrative because we have to get into these spaces and we want people to know where we're located and, and that mental health is important because people see what's on TV, but they don't want to go see a therapist sometimes because they don't know. So I'm telling therapists now, like I need you guys to get on YouTube because there's not a lot of us uh melanin therapist on YouTube. And I decided to get on there. Now I'm seeing people starting to, to realize they need to get on there too.
0: That's good. That's good. Okay. Okay. I'm, we're getting, oh dang, we're over to 45, but that's fine. We're going to keep talking. So um, I did want to dive into faith a little bit. You talked about how um, God has really been guiding you even from the very beginning of starting your business, how did you go about building your relationship with God so that you could even be in a position for that to happen? I actually
1: grew up. So, um, I grew up in a church, like grew up going to private Christian school. Um, So like church has always been something, a part of my life, like church and Christianity. Mm -hmm. But I would say after, like, right when I was in graduate school is when I started to increase my faith and increase my walk with God to kind of get to know God for myself. So, um, for me, it's just been a very important part of my life where I make sure that I'm very strategic with like, okay, get up in the morning, praise and worship, read my word, read my word before I go to bed. So like, you know, um, you know, praying throughout the day, having moments where I pray, having moments of fasting, um, actively involved in my church community. So fellowship, um, being involved in small groups and things like that. So for me, um, I would say once I was in graduate school, I, I, I was already involved in my church that I was at at the time for about, two, three years, I was a member there. And at that point, I think at that point, I had like my breaking point, like this came out of a, a relationship or something like that. And it was like, okay, I need Jesus. Um, <laughs> I had one of those moments. Mm-hmm. And, and from there, I just started like building my faith and having accountability really helped me to have other young women that were also um, um, believers in the body of Christ, really helped me to grow in my faith. Because sometimes, you know, when you're one way and then you have the transition, it's like, but how do I do this? What do I give up and all this stuff? Because, you know, even yeah. though I grew up in a church, I grew up in a Pentecostal church when I was little. The church is where you wear skirts, money every single day, no nail polish, no jewelry. That's the kind of church I grew up in, right? Wow. So for me, religion looked very different, wow. right? And I grew up going to private Christian mm-hmm. school until I went to high school in a public school. So that adjustment there. And then I went to Penn State. The party school. So going to Penn State, my eyes kind of opened up to something else. I was partying every single day. Um, (laughs) So leaving Penn State and having some of those friends that I had to transitioning to, to going back to Christ and still trying to navigate that space where I was going to the club Friday through Sunday, popping bottles, the whole nine. And it's like, but can I still pop bottles and do this? How do I let go of this? I'm like, but God, but I love my friends. They're real cool. But little by little, he slowly started to change my appetite and the things that I liked and started to open my sculpture eyes to things. Um, and then eventually like those friends kind of just like, okay, we're not going to invite Marlene to that, but we'll invite Marlene to brunch. Then To the point where those friends ended up being the ones saying like, yo, I'm doing a Daniel fast for 21 days. You win? So, like, to see how they also had made those adjustments too, um, but but for me, I think having the accountability, like having young, like a young group of young adults that I can be around um, to hold me accountable, that I can talk to about how how was it for them, challenges that they had, you know, leaving out of relationship and seeking purity, um, like what do you do, like how do you navigate all these new 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 spaces that I wasn't that I didn't have to work that I didn't have to think about in my adult life. So um, I think for me, the accountability helped me to get into a point where I became consistent and knowing, okay, I got to get consistent with God and just keep moving, keep moving in this direction if I want him to reveal to me things that I need to know for my future.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I wish I would have been more serious about my relationship with God before entrepreneurship. That way I could have kind of just focused on a lot of the bad habits I needed to break and things like that prior to trying to start a business. And so I'm working on all this stuff while still trying to grow a brand and all of that. I wish that I would have been more obedient earlier, but, um, came, came along eventually nonetheless. So, but yeah, that's awesome. So what about your faith in your business then? Like, how do you make sure that God is still, the, the CEO of your business and you're still able to hear from him and be directed by him the same way you was in the beginning before all of this success came?
1: Um, knowing that this business belongs to him. It's not mine. I'm just a vessel that he's using to pour into people's lives, that he's just using me. And if at any moment I decide to think that I'm better than God or better than everybody else, he could rip it from me the next day and I just don't have it. So understanding that, you know, he has used, he's equipping me to 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 pour into people's lives and know that this is not mine. This is all his doing. Um, and something else that I constantly say that people have to do, especially in this fourth quarter, there's gonna be a lot of noise everywhere. And noise coming from the top, from you know, politically, we see what's happening now. We got, you know, you know, elect you know, midterm elections. So there's a lot of noise happening there down to leaders and different sectors, leaders in, within your business, within your um, business realm. So other people, other entrepreneurs that are doing similar work that you're doing, it's the fourth quarter. Um, so I always say like during this time, that's where I have to make sure that I'm fully, like I'm fully rooted in his presence because if not, if I'm not in his presence, then I'm going to miss out on the opportunity he has for me because I'm so busy seeing what the other person is doing and trying to jump on every other opportunity. So just being mindful that I'm careful with who I'm partnering with, what opportunities I'm saying yes to and what am I saying no to. Um, Because there's going to be times where I'm tested. I've had that happen multiple times where like, you know, someone will reach out to me about an opportunity and saying how it's going to help my business grow. And then I, something that something doesn't sit well with my spirit to do it. And I will realize, OK, I'm just going to say no, because if I say yes to this, what will that look like for my business and my legacy? So knowing yeah. to say no to certain opportunities um, in certain spaces that, you know, like, OK, I just can't flow here. Um, I can't partner with you. Um, it's just not going to work. So knowing, knowing to be mindful. So like knowing to be very discerning in this moment, um, having moments of stillness, because there are times where he's like, listen, I just need you to just be still for this week. I don't want you to do any extra Mm -hmm. thing. You're going to sit still. And it's like, but, but you know, the business gurus, they say, you got to keep doing this and you got to do that. And you got to do this. And if I don't do this, people won't know. And he's like, Nope, I need you to sit still for this week. And he actually did that to me last year where he had me fast for an entire week. So me and my friends did a corporate fast, my group chat girls, we did a fast for an entire week. And we was like, okay, no social media for that entire week. And mind you that week I was launching my planners and I was also having a mixer happening that Friday. And we had started that fast that Friday till the following Friday. So I'm like, this is a whole week. I can't market the planners or the mixers. What? This is going to be crazy. I can't do this. They was like, well, take off and just do the following five. No, I have to do it with you ladies. So I decided to be obedient. I was off the grid for an entire week. And it's crazy how that was my largest mixer. I had 75 people show up when the mix is generally like designed for like 10 to 20 people. 75 people showed up. And then that weekend alone, I sold over 100 planners. And I wasn't even on social media for that week when I launched it. I launched it the day I got off the fast. It was like, okay, I'm just gonna put it out the day it comes out rather than pre-marketing. And it just, and I was like, okay. All right, I see you. I see how you work. (laughs) Let me just let me just listen (laughs) and stop stop being stubborn. So it's just crazy how sometimes when he tells us to be still, but you know, he tells us to be still, but the world and what is traditional tells us we need to do otherwise. And he decides to show off in that moment. So that's something I had to learn.
0: So I want to ask you this question. Everybody asks me this question when it comes to faith and um, the question is how to hear from God. So always, you know, I always refer to people to Joyce Meyer book because how God talks to me, He may talk to you different. I don't want my life Mm -hmm. to be the measuring stick of anything. I want you to learn how God speaks to everybody and then ask God to show you how He speaks to you. But I do like to ask my guests this because that way we can show the diversity in how God speaks to people. So how do how do you hear from God?
1: I hear from him by spending time in his word. So, um, when I'm reading his word and I'm in that moment where I'm having worship moments, he starts to deposit things in me. But then if I don't respond in that moment or like go into obedience mode, like, all right, God, I got you. I'm gonna go and do that. I'm gonna do what you said he wanted to do. He'll start to send random people my way to reaffirm, like to reconfirm something. So he'll send ran, random people who, who doesn't even know what's happening to say, like, oh, I think, you know, you need to be doing this or, oh, there's this thing, you know, that you should, you know, this opportunity that came up or I want to send this to you to read. And it's like, OK, I get it. Let me listen now. Um, and it happened this week with your podcast, too, <laughs> where um, it happens with podcasts too, with uh, me listening to a sermon where. You know, maybe God is telling me to do something and I feel it in my spirit, but I'm just like, uh, whatever. I'm not doing that. I cannot do that because that just doesn't sound right. And then like he'll send random things my way. And I'm like, great. This is exactly what you said to me last week. Let me just do this and listen to you, because if I don't, I'm gonna get in trouble. So so then right. in that moment, I'm like, OK, I see. I see the purpose of being obedient. And I actually did that this week where he's been telling me to do something. And I was kind of hesitant on it because I'm like, I know, you know, the experts would say you need to be charging X amount for this, but you're about to do this for free. And I'm like, I'm just going to do this for free, even though I know I should be charging for it and I could charge money for it. And so I decided like, okay, I'm going to do this for free. And then I I said a word to somebody and then that person reached out and said, wow, wow. God just told me he's given me 90 days to do something. And you said the same exact word. So now I know I need to do this. So it was like, without me being obedient, that person wouldn't have fully received their message to confirm them that they need to be doing something that's going to birth a legacy for an entire community of special needs. So it was just like, okay, Mm -hmm. now I see. This is not about me. It's about, it's about impact, you know? So yeah, it's, yeah, that's how he speaks to me.
0: That's awesome. That's so awesome. Okay. Last question. Just one piece of advice that you will give someone who is looking to grow in both their faith and their business.
1: Um, Find moments to be still in God's presence so you can truly hear from him before Mm -hmm. you start making any moves.
0: That's good. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Marlene. Tell everybody where they can find you and all that good stuff.
1: Yes. Thank you for having me on the show, Tatum. So you guys can find me on my website. My uh, website is marlenefrancois.com. And it's Marlene Francois on all social media platforms, my Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, everything. So it's Marlene Francois.
0: Awesome. All right, you guys. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Blessed and Bossed Up podcast, and we will be back next week.